0: If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Okay. Somebody messaged me to say that uh, obviously... The technical issue somebody doesn't want to hear what God wants to say to us this morning. Hopefully it hasn't stopped you from tuning in and you've just been able to make an extra cup of coffee or something along those lines, which would be good. Uh, I've had a few messages from people saying, is church not happening? It's great to know that people are, uh, are waiting patiently for church to start. So today we're going to be looking at another I Am of Jesus. And uh, when I first started going out with Roz, she had a flower shop on Dalton's Market Street that is now a Vets. And uh, part of that shop was also a pet shop. Part of that shop, you could buy pet food, you could buy pets. I remember the first time I ever saw a Russian hamster was uh, at that pet shop. It wasn't a hamster that you opened its top up and there was another hamster inside and then another hamster inside. They were little grey and white, uh, very cute, but apparently very vicious. But uh, one day, there, there there was some very funny things happened in that pet shop. One of the stories I can remember Ross howling at was a guy who had bought a dog door, which is like a cat flap. A dog door is a cat flap for dogs. And basically, he brought it back because he said, it doesn't work. And what he'd actually done, it turned out, was he'd stuck the dog door onto the door, but hadn't made a hole in the door. He thought that it was like some magic hole that the dog would be able to suddenly go through the door because he'd attached the dog door. Um, But otherwise, there was another one where somebody brought a budgie back, and they'd bought it, and they said, it keeps falling off its perch. I keep having to put it back on its perch, but it keeps falling off. She'd lift it off the floor, and it would keep falling off constantly. And the reason for that was because it was dead. Um, but she kept lifting it up and put it back on the perch, but it kept falling off, but it was dead. And one of the most famous Monty Python sketches that you might know of features a dead parrot, and the following phrases. He's bereft of life, pushing up the daisies. His metabolic processes are now history. He's shuffled off this mortal coil, run down the curtain, and joined the choir invisible. All about a parrot that was dead. And in these cases, the parrot and the budgie were dead. They weren't coming back. They were long gone. They were a pre-parrot or a pre-budgie. Or they used to be a parrot and a budgie, but they were gone. Never to breathe again. Today, in John's Gospel, we get to a familiar story to many of us. The story of Lazarus. Lazarus dying. He was no more. He was bereft of life. But then we look at the I am of Jesus in this moment and it says, I am the resurrection and the life. Today's reading is quite a long one and it needs to be. So Gerald is going to be reading our our passage, but please read the whole chapter for yourself because Gerald is just going to read from verses 1 to 26 from John chapter 11. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up and read them for yourselves. But let's listen as Gerald shares
1: our reading for today. Thanks, Gerald. A reading from John chapter 11, verse 1 to 25. The death of Lazarus. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So, the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciple, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, They said, A short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. Verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Verse eleven. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, "Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up." Verse twelve. His disciple replied, "Lord, if he he if he sleeps, he will get better." Verse thirteen. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought. He meant natural sleep. Verse 14, So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go in him. Verse 16, Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciple, Let us go, that we may die with him. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in a tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have been died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day verse 25 Jesus said to her I am the resurrection and the life the one who believe in me will live even though they die John chapter 11 verse 1 to 25
0: Thanks Gerald Um, Maybe a familiar story to many, maybe a familiar part of the Bible. And as I said, I'll be speaking about some of the verses we've not read today. So have a look at that whole chapter for yourself just to get the context of what I'm going to share. This week... I have experienced the impatience of youth. Maybe this morning, as you've been waiting for the live stream to start, you've been impatient. Maybe you've thought, why is it not happening now? Why? I know we were here. Why is it not happening now? Why, why can we not get this on? And sometimes we're very impatient. I've experienced the impatience of youth, a 14-year-old saying, Johnny, can you find me the drum DVD? Johnny, can you find me the drum DVD? Johnny, can you find me the drum DVD? Usually after I'd just sat down to have a little bit of a break, So I made them wait. Then it was, Johnny, can you find something to play the drum DVD on? Johnny, can you find me something to play it on? Then when I found that, it was, Johnny, can you find the drumsticks? Johnny, can you find the drumsticks? Then it was, can you find a cable to charge the controller? On and on and on. This was. And it was spread over a couple of days. It had to be done then. It had to be done now. It had to be done when it was wanted. The first part of this story features a lot of love we see Lazarus Mary and Martha who were Jesus's friends and he regularly stayed with them John points out that it was Mary who had anointed Jesus's feet with oil such love did Mary have for Jesus that she was extravagant in her worship of him John points out as well that the word went to Jesus Lord the one you love is ill Lazarus is ill Jesus loves these three people. He loves them. They are precious to him and they love him. So that's the first thing we need to see at the beginning of this chapter. Jesus has incredible love for these three people and these three people have incredible love for Jesus. And our response in that illness would be, come and sort it now. Come and deal with it now. Come now, Lord. I find verse six a bit jarring If you've not read verse 6 on its own, it says, so when he heard Lazarus was sick, you know, this one that he loved, his friend, the one that he cared for, the family who cared for his needs, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two days. I find that a little bit jarring. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus waited. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he remained and didn't go running. Often we want to think that Jesus would have dropped everything and gone running, that he would have gone charging in to deal with the situation. But Jesus didn't rush off. During one of our Sunday evening Zoom evenings, in fact often they were a bit chaotic when they came from our house, but during one of our evening worships, In the middle of a song, all of a sudden, there was pandemonium behind me. There's that pandemonium again. It wasn't intentional. There was this chaos behind us. Somebody had come knocking at the door. Grandma went running out. Ros went running out. There was a a little bit of hysteria going on. And it was because one of my nieces had cut their finger. It thankfully wasn't too serious. But Auntie Ros and Grandma dropped everything they were doing and ran leaving us a little bit in the dark. They didn't want to see one that they loved hurt and needing help. So why doesn't Jesus? There's still love. There's a love for him and there's a love from him. But even though he loves and they love, he still doesn't leave. There is a call, but not an immediate response. In fact, when he says, okay, let's go after two days, the disciples try and talk him out of going because of previous trouble in the area. Why does Jesus not respond immediately? Well, first thing we need to realise is Jesus doesn't respond immediately, has nothing to do with his love for us. He loves these people. They love him and yet he doesn't respond immediately. Why does he not respond? Because by waiting, God and God's son would be glorified. And that's what it is about. It is about God getting the glory. Is it about Jesus having the glory? Do you know, we can be impatient and we can feel let down when God doesn't respond or seem to respond to our call, when our prayers aren't answered. But one thing is clear from this passage, and we need to hear this today every single one of us, it isn't because Jesus doesn't love you. When there's not response, when there's not a right now, immediate dropping of everything, and when Jesus doesn't swoop in now, it isn't because he doesn't love you. And it isn't because you don't love him. He loved Lazarus. It's not because he's afraid of coming to the rescue or because he's uncaring about you and your situation. In fact, the waiting is all about God and God getting the glory. After the waiting and after that, re- after that remaining, Others will get to see God's Son for who he is. No answer doesn't mean not loved. It just means there is glory in store. Glory for God and glory for the Son. If I'd have said that phrase to Mary and Martha in this instance when they've just lost Lazarus, that actually the waiting is good, they'd have probably felt in the right mind to slap me for saying, you're just sprouting platitudes. You're just saying things that uh, are nice on the surface. But actually, Jesus is always right. In the big picture, Jesus always gets it right. We only see a tiny bit of life. But the first thing we need to recognize is, Jesus doesn't not respond because he doesn't love us. It's because in the big picture, the waiting brings God glory. The second thing that occurs to me as I read this story is that we don't like to talk about death. The Norwegian blue in the Monty Python sketch was as dead as a dodo, as dead as a doornail. And we use all sorts of phrases, don't we? Like, they've passed away, or they've gone to glory, or they've fallen asleep. That one in particular, Jesus uses here. And it always makes me smile because near my grandma's grave was a gravestone. And I think it was for a man who was called William Deadman. That's a very appropriate name for a man who's buried, isn't it? William Deadman. And actually, I remember reading it at her funeral, at her burial, and it said, he fell asleep on such and such a date. And as a young teenage lad, my brain thought, well, he fell asleep, but be careful around here. If you fall asleep, they'll have you in a hole before you know it. Be careful where you take a nap, as we found out with Eutychus. But verse 11, Jesus says to the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him. Jesus is subtle. He doesn't always speak it clearly to his disciples and they do not get it. These disciples were daily with Jesus and they didn't get it. They were daily with Jesus in his word. They were daily with Jesus in his presence and they didn't get what he was saying. Even if today you and I are daily in in God's word, with Jesus in God's word, with Jesus in worship, we will sometimes miss the point and we will sometimes miss what he's saying. So Jesus spells it out to them. Verse 14, Lazarus is dead. Having put it nicely, having put it as plainly as he could, he has to come out with it. Lazarus is dead. And when they finally arrive at the scene, Lazarus has been dead for four days. It even says he would have smelt a little bit. It was very warm. They would have buried him quite quickly in the cool of the cave, and it would have stunk. But Lazarus is definitely dead. Jesus has already raised a few people who have been dead just briefly or been dead a day. But here, Lazarus is definitely what we would call dead and buried. There is no way back. There is no coming back from this death, surely. He's wrapped in his grave clothes. He's sealed away. He's in the tomb. Not only that, but at the time there would have been the ancient belief that the soul stayed near the deceased for three days to give hope of returning to life, that the soul would be nearby for three days of the death and then depart. So Jesus has intentionally gone beyond that. Jesus has waited to prove that God is glory even more, that God's glory is greater than our human constraints, that God's glory is greater than a a superstition, that God's glory and God's plan is beyond the grave. Jesus has intentionally gone beyond where Lazarus is beyond hope. Are you beyond hope this morning? Jesus isn't, because Jesus can fill us with hope. Jesus can fill us with joy. Jesus can fill us with life. And Jesus is capable of working when all seems lost. Jesus is capable of working when the world says no chance. Jesus says, all eyes on me. When the world says there's not a hope, Jesus says, look at me. Because he can make the difference. Every giant will fall. No greater name, no higher name than Jesus. Do we believe that this morning? Do we believe that he is able? He is able. First thing, there's a lot of love between the people involved. Second thing, we don't like to talk about death and we we sugarcoat it. The third thing, Martha shows great faith. But the third thing to remember is that God is always present no matter what. God is with us wherever we, wherever we go. Last week, we read Psalm 23, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He is with us. Verse 21 shows Martha's great faith. She should be in the heroes of faith, really, in Hebrews, because she says, if you had been here, then my brother would not have died. But then she says, and now you're here, whatever you ask will happen. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Maybe that can be our problem. Maybe that's where our theology goes all wrong because we think God comes and goes into our situation. We think God one minute isn't there and then he comes in and swoops in to save the day when the Bible tells us he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he is always with us, that he is forever by our side. We think God comes and goes into our lives when actually it's us that come and go into his presence. It's us that choose to walk away and then come back, to walk away and then come back. How about we try life just remaining? Jesus remained where he was for two days so that God's glory could be seen. Maybe if we remain in his love, then God's glory will be seen because he is faithful. He doesn't let us down. He doesn't come and go. He remains the same. Yesterday, today. Forever, Martha thinks it depends on Jesus being physically there. On Jesus being actually present to stop the tragedy from happening. And that this tragedy has happened because Jesus wasn't there. Things will happen in our lives that are tragic. Many of us watching today, many of us listening, many of us speaking, maybe have experienced really difficult times. But let me tell you this. This passage tells me that Jesus hasn't gone anywhere. This passage tells me that Jesus doesn't need to be on the scene in body in order to do something. He is still working. He is still with us. And God and his son will get the glory in the end. The shortest verse that is famous and often used irreverently is in this chapter. It comes in verse 35. Do you know what it is? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. There's a good one for a quiz. Shortest verse in the Bible, John chapter 11. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Two words. What does it tell us? Well, he wept because his friend has died. The friend who he loved. The friend who he cared about. He wept and he experiences grief and loss and mourning. Maybe you're going through that right now. Maybe you're experiencing loss. Maybe you're experiencing grief. Maybe you're struggling to get over something. Jesus has stood in your shoes. Jesus has walked where you walk. He has already gone before And he is with you right now in it. Why else does he weep? Because he sees Mary and Martha, his friends, weeping. And so not only does he suffer grief and loss, he experiences compassion on his friends who are also weeping. He weeps with them. And that's the same today. Jesus knows loss and he shows compassion. And he weeps with us and he weeps for us. And then here we come to the I am Moment. This is what we're all about today, the I am moment of Jesus. Martha was a Pharisee. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead at the end of time. The opposition, if you like, were the Sadducees, and they didn't have that hope. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Some would say that's why they were sad, you see, but hey, let's not go there. So Jesus says, Your brother will rise again. To which she answers, I know he will eventually. And then Jesus replies with this week's I am. He says, no, 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 no. Your brother will rise again because I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus doesn't just say there is life and resurrection. Jesus doesn't say to you today, There is life and resurrection. He actually says, I am the life and the resurrection. He doesn't just say there is the way, there is the truth. He says, I am the way and the resurrection. He doesn't just say there is a gate. He says, I am the gate. He doesn't just say he carries and shines a light and points us to the light. He says, I am the light, the ultimate source. I am the good shepherd. Jesus didn't just come to point things out. He wasn't just a helpful tour guide. He wasn't just somebody who looked and said, this is a really good thing to follow. He says, I am a really good man to follow. I am a really good man to be with. He came to say that he was the answer to all these things. He didn't just come to point to God. He was God in a human body. The final point today is the question that the reading finishes with. Verse 26 says this, Jesus says, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? There's the question. Do you believe this? As we've already said, we don't like to talk about death much, do we? We don't like to cover it. And often at a funeral, we will hear nice stories about the deceased. No matter whose funeral it is, the person could have been the most unpleasant person, but if you go to the funeral, there will usually be nice things shared or something shared. Communist countries have rulers that try to stay alive. Lenin lies in state and every 30 days, he had to have his body bleached and then repainted to try and give the image that he was still alive, but he was as dead as a dodo. He was as dead as a dodo. Jesus is alive, not was alive, Jesus is alive because he is the one who is the resurrection. He is the life. He has conquered death. He has conquered sin. No world leader or world system can offer life. No other person on this planet can point to a grave where they were laid that has remained empty. Lazarus died again. So he can't. Jesus is the only person who can say the grave is empty. I have beaten death because I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus says we will have eternal life. And a lot of us struggle to understand this whole area of death and resurrection. And I read a really, really good explanation, or I think it's a really good explanation, that a professor gave to his children. They asked him, Dad, what did Jesus mean when he said that we will live even though we die? And he asked them this question, and I'm going to ask you this question this morning. Would you rather be run over by a bus or run over by the shadow of the bus? And of course, the answer, obviously, is the shadow of the bus. Because the shadow of the bus isn't the real pain or suffering, is it? The shadow of the bus is just a momentary passing and it's gone. The shadow of the bus cannot hurt us. The bus itself is the problem. And so this professor explained that when Jesus died on the cross... He was run over by the actual bus, so that if we chose to believe in him, we would only ever be touched by the shadow. He was the one who suffered the real pain. He was the one who suffered the real loss. And we can just cope with the shadow. Yes, there can be pain and sorrow in this life. Yes, there can be disappointment. But it is nothing compared to an eternity in his presence. There's verses, isn't it, that say, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? because he is the resurrection and the life. The chapter ends with God getting the glory and Jesus showing his actions to back up his words because Lazarus is raised, even though he was long dead, even though he'd been four days in the grave. And it says, many of the Jews who were there mourning believed in him, but the high priests are worried and they say, here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Many people believe because they saw a man who was acting how his words spoke. They saw a man who was the resurrection. And yet the religious people were more worried about their position, their temples, their buildings, than they were about eternal life. People will always worry about what believing in Jesus might cost them. And the answer to that worry is that with Jesus, the cost is nothing compared to what He's gained. So Jesus loves, but sometimes waits to respond, so that God gets the glory. Maybe you're in a moment of waiting. Jesus knows grief and sorrow, and he weeps with us and for us. But Jesus doesn't just inform or point the way or speak good things. He is the way. And God will always get the glory through him. Let that be our prayer for our life, that whatever we face in this life, whatever we are going through right now, let us pray that God gets the glory, that Jesus is seen and that he is lifted higher. Let that be our life statement. And today, I would rather be hit by the shadow of death because Jesus bore the full force for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus didn't just come to say good things. He didn't just come to point to a way. He came to be the way. He came to be the resurrection and the life. He conquered death and sin for me. And for everybody watching this today, for everybody on this planet, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Father, help us to know that Jesus is. Not he was, but he is the resurrection, that he is the one who loves us and his love does not go undimmed. Help us to know that more often than not, he doesn't come in and out of our lives. It's us that come closer and further from him. Father, help us to be near him and help us to remain so that we see his glory. Father God, I pray that today we will know the truth of Jesus. Father, whatever we're going through, whatever situation we find ourselves in, I pray that today, we will be able to say, yes, Jesus, I believe. In answer to his question, do you believe? Do you believe that he has beaten death? Do you believe that he's the resurrection? Do you believe that you will live even though you die? And he says to us today, do we believe? Father God, help our response to be, yes, I believe. Even though sometimes life is hard, even though sometimes we seem like we're waiting for Jesus to respond, help us to know and that waiting brings the big picture that God is glorified and that God is worthy of our praise. So Father God, I pray that our mission in life will be to glorify you. If we're going through tough times, let's glorify you. If we're struggling and weeping, we know that you weep with us, let's glorify you. And Father, help us to know that Jesus wasn't just a good man, but he was the God man. Amen. Thanks, Paul.